As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here again with Maxime Miasnikov and Joel Renner. Where is your mother? Mama is on a special assignment. She is. She is. She is with my nephew and niece, William and, and Anya, and she's doing a great job. She is doing a great job, and I'm so proud of her. And Maxime, we're glad that you're here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me here. You know, I've been working on the RIV, which is the Renner's Interpretive Version, and Maxime learned Greek. And Maxime is quite amazing when it comes to linguistics. Just listen to his English. I mean, you would think that he was an American, but he's not. He learned English before he had ever even been to the United States. He's really a gifted man with language. So Maxime and I are working on the RIV together, and guess what? I'm also working with an American Bible Society scholar who's going over all my work to make sure that I'm being accurate, and I just appreciate it so much. Translating or interpreting the New Testament is really a great responsibility. And many people have been saying, when's the RIV going to come out? Well, hopefully next year it's going to come out in the form of, of James, First and Second Peter, and Jude. It'll be the first installment that will be available for people to begin to use, and it will have footnotes. And the footnotes are amazing. Ay, ay, ay. It's like a treasure trove. You're going to love it. But we're offering you today my series called Mockers in the Last Days. This is a five-part series, which is actually part three to the book of Jude. It deals with verses 15 to 19, and it comes with a study guide. I don't know if you've ever gotten one of my study guides. By the way, they're free. All you have to do is go online and download it right now. During the series, that's right. During the series. The study guide is just loaded. I, Joel, it's packed, jammed full. Oh, there's so many subjects. You know, I like what Joyce said. If, if you need to work on an area of your life, then study that area and start working on it. Well, you've written over 80 study guides. I have. On different areas what the Word of God says about 80 different areas. And if you go to our website, you can look at all 80 subjects. And you can find, you know, what area you need to work on. And it will really help you. But this week, this, this particular series is free just to download the study guide. You've got to order this, but this is free download. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. The foreword is by Perry Stone, whom I respect so much. If you don't have a copy of this, please order this. You ought to order several because it's a book you're really going to want to use again and again and again and give to somebody else. But we have all of these products here because we remind you that right now we're helping people that have been displaced. We believe it's part of our assignment. We've never done this ever in our ministry. And I want to say thank you for helping us. You know we've never done it. And when we announced we were going to do it, you really jumped on board to help us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not just on our behalf, but for those that we're helping. All the funds you've given for this have flown right through our ministry to provide all of these supplies for people that have lost their homes. They fled from where they were with just a few documents and a backpack or a plastic sack filled with a few goods. Mothers, grandmothers, children, a lot of grandchildren, many of them leaving without their husbands. And we're meeting them and we're ministering to them. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. And hey, if you need prayer, let us know how to pray for you. We're waiting to hear from you right now. Call us, send us an email, 
The moment we hear from you, we're going to be in to pray. But let's go back to the book of Jude. I see you have your Bibles. Yes, sir. And we're going to begin today with Jude verse 14, which is kind of where we ended yesterday. And I'm going to read to you the RIV. And the RIV says, well, let's begin with the King James. Maxime, read verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about this man also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Okay, here's the RIV. It is amazing that even Enoch. Now, how did I get that? It is amazing. Because in the Greek, it's the word day, which is trying to bring your attention to something that's dramatic, something that's startling. It is amazing that even Enoch, and it is amazing because the Bible says he was the seventh from Adam. We read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. I mean, that's a long time ago. And from the very beginning of time, God was clearly communicating to anybody who had an ear to hear. And Enoch had ears to hear. And he prophesied. He's one of the most accurate prophets in the Bible. He was the seventh from Adam. And he prophesied and foretold in advance about these and other events that would occur in the future. He saw the end of time. He saw the second coming. You guys, that means God's always had a redemptive plan. God's had a plan from the very beginning, and God has a plan for you. God's not figuring it out every step along the way. He has a plan. And Enoch said, Behold, and the word behold, the Greek word edu, it also carries a sense of shock. Wow, it is amazing what I have seen. And what did he see? He said, the Lord is coming with the authority and power needed to right every wrong and to set everything in order. Now, why do I translate it like that? Because it's a Greek word, perusia, which describes an executive, a king, or a royal figure who always arrives with the authority to correct every wrong and make everything right. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And that's why I translated it, the Lord is coming with the authority and power needed to right every wrong and to set everything in order. If you've ever wondered, is anybody ever going to straighten the world out? The answer is yes. When Jesus comes in the second coming, he's going to straighten everything out. And when he comes, he will arrive in the midst. That's the Greek word en, which means in the midst of, in, or enshrouded in, thousands, innumerable numbers of His holy people with Him. And we saw yesterday, that's us. After the seven-year tribulation, which is going to occur on the earth, seven-year marriage feast of the Lamb, which we're going to be attending, and seven years of the judgment seat of Christ, at the end of that, all of our future assignments will have been determined. And that's when we're going to return with Jesus. And He's going to set up His kingdom from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will become the capital of the world. It has always been the city of God. And it will become the capital of the world. And Jesus will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and will rule for a thousand years. We're going to come with Him and determined by what we've done now in life, we'll know what we're going to do in the future and we're going to be a part of the administration of Jesus. That's why you need to be faithful now. It's not just about now. We're all living in a period of qualification for the next phase. The next phase is in front of us. If I'm faithful now, I'm going to have something to do then. If I'm not faithful now, I'm going to have a lesser position then. Are you being faithful? This is a period of pre-qualification for the age to come. And then when you get to verse 15, Jude adds, to execute judgment upon all, the word judgment in Greek is the word pronounced crisis. Wow. 
It describes a decision made by a legal court, a court decree, a legal procedure at the court, or a verdict delivered that resulted in judgment, and it's where we get the word for a crisis. When a verdict of guilt is issued, that's a crisis in somebody's life. And these people who have lived wrong, they're going to have a crisis moment. And the Bible says to execute judgment upon, the word upon is the Greek word kata, a preposition that means against. This will be a judgment against. But it carries the idea of a strike against them so strong that it is inescapable. They may have escaped a lot of things in life, but they're not going to escape this. This will be a crisis that will be inescapable in their lives. And the Bible says upon all. And the word all is a Greek word pantes. It means all. It is all inclusive. No exceptions. We're talking about the ungodly. And at that moment, Jesus is going to convince all that are ungodly among them. And the word convince, I want to read to you from my notes. Listen to this. The Greek word eklego means to expose, to convict, or to cross-examine for the purpose of conviction as when convicting a lawbreaker in a court of law. It pictures a lawyer who brings forth all the evidence that is indisputable and undeniable, and it means in that day, Heaven's court will present all the proof necessary to irrefutably back up a charge of guilt against the ungodly. Amen. Inescapable. Amen. What do you guys think about that? Judgment's coming. And I don't want people to be, go to hell. That's what I'm thinking about. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us. We are cleansed. Amen. But the ungodly have no cleansing. And heaven has kept records. And heaven's going to present the proof. Nobody's going to be able to argue with God because all the proof is going to be brought forth and it's going to be clear. Maxine? I'm so excited that Jesus is coming. He's going to set up His uh, rule here on this earth. And this is how I like to think about it. Sometimes people say this earth is our home. Not yet. When Jesus comes and He sets up His kingdom, when there will be new earth in the future, then this earth will become our real home. Amen. Our real home is yet to come. I have a question. I think there's different kinds of judgments, though, because you, you've taught about the Bema, where you come to get a reward. Right. That's, we call it the judgment seat of Christ. It's the Bema seat of Christ. So when people hear that during the seven years in heaven, when we're, all the believers are there with Jesus, there's going to be a judgment. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. That's how it's translated. But the word Bema, the word judgment there, describes a place where determinations were made. It's not where people were beaten for failing. It's where determinations were made what kind of rewards you're going to get. And so we'll be confronted. Did we do what we were called to do? And then rewards will be given. It's if you, if you didn't win the race, they didn't bring you to the judge to be beaten, but they brought the winners there to be rewarded. And it's a place where rewards will be determined. And during those seven years, I'm assuming many people have already received their rewards. Well, one by one. I'm, I'm going to stand in front of Jesus. And you know what? The fact that it's going to take seven years means this is not going to be a rush job. The Lord is going to look at every one of us and deal with us, not for sin, not for sin, but for obedience or lack of obedience. But during those seven years, it's, the Lord's going to be evaluating those who are raptured. That's correct. And there'll also be the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're going to be having a good time. Yeah, that's for sure. But let's continue. Over and over the word ungodly appears in this verse. 
And the word ungodly, as we saw yesterday, is the Greek word asebes, from the word sebes. The word sebes describes that which is pious, reverent, or God-fearing. But when you put an A on the front, it becomes asebes, which describes irreverent, impious, those that have lost their fear of God. Maybe at one time they had it, but they've lost it. And in fact, when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes about the end of the age. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Then in verse 2, listen to what he says. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and what? Unholy. Mm. And the word unholy is very similar. The word anosias. From hosias, which again, pictures people that are reverent, respectful, or God-fearing, but when an A is attached to the front, it gives the same meaning of irreverent, impious. They've lost their fear of God. And as a result, their thinking and their actions have become, here's really what it means, ill-mannered, impure, unclean, lewd, indecent, rude, coarse, vulgar, offensive, and rude. It's kind of describing the age we're living in, Joel. And I said yesterday that when you lose the fear of God and you become a sebes, you become casual with God. Often you see this reflected in the way people dress when they come to church. And as I said yesterday, I'm not trying to step on toes, but if I do, forgive me, I'm going to. Hey, if you need a loan from the bank, you dress really nice when you go to ask for money. If you're going to meet with the president of a nation, you wouldn't go in your shorts and your sandals. You would want to look nice because it's so serious. But when people come to God, they look like they're going to a picnic. Now, I know that the Lord loves me whether I'm wearing a suit and a tie or whether I'm wearing my robe. I know that. But the way that we carry ourselves when we come to church generally shows what we think about church and what we think about God. And we're living in a day when people have become kind of irreverent about God. They drink their coffee while they're in church. Is there anything wrong with that? I'm drinking coffee right here. It's always a good time for coffee. But <laughs> do we really need to do that in church? What are, what are we saying? And there's been such a, a casualness that has come to the worship of God. It's kind of reflect kind of a new age where we don't take it as serious as we once did. But let's go on. Well, there's another thing also. I think maybe a lot of people just, there's more of church. And so people are getting maybe used to some things. And we should never get, just take for granted God's presence. God's presence is fresh every day. And we need to always respect it. That's, that's right. Maxine? I'm, I'm thinking of my cousin. She, she, she's, she's funny in a way. She, she, she said, you know what, I don't want to put my makeup on. I don't want to get dressed to go to church. I'll just stay home and watch service online. So, Well, there's a lot of people, especially after the pandemic, that's, the, that's their view, and I'm glad that they can watch online. We have a huge online audience right now. People are watching online. They're sitting in their shorts, their robes. I don't know what they've got on. We're glad you're here. But when we go to church, I think we ought to look like we're going to church. That's how I personally feel. We don't need to have a casual approach to God we need to teach people this is serious. But it goes on to talk about hard speeches in this verse. Hard speeches, guess what? The Greek word scleros. Scleros. Hmm. 
it describes something abrasive, harsh, stubborn, or unbending. It's where we get the word sclerosis, which is a medical term to describe the stiffening of tissue or physical features or organs of the body. And here it describes people that have become hard in their hearts. They've lost their spiritual sensitivity. There's been a hardening. And it talks about sinners here in this verse. The word sinners, the Greek word hamartolos, which is plural, and it describes sinners who have missed the mark of God's standard and God's righteousness and hence are sinners. And here it is used to picture people whose actions and lives are actually detestable in the sight of God. And this verse says, they have spoken against him. The word spoken, the Greek word leleo, means to articulate, to converse, to communicate, to freely speak. And here we find people are just freely speaking things that they didn't used to freely speak. People are saying things they didn't used to say. And the Bible says it is against him. The word against is a form of the word kata, which means something done directly against another, which means God takes this casualness and God takes the spiritual hardness, this spiritual insensitivity very personally. He takes it as a strike against him. And the RIV of verse 15 would be like this. And when he comes, he will carry out the irreversible charge the heaven's court has issued inescapably against all so charged. In the very same way a lawyer brings forth indisputable and undeniable evidence in a court of law, heaven's court will present irrefutable and uncontestable evidence to prove a charge of guilt against the godless and all the irreverent actions, beliefs, and deeds which these irreverent sinners have spoken so abrasively and insolently against the Lord. Then you come to verse 16. And in verse 16, the King James Version says, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. What does the word murmurers mean? Mm -hmm. We need to know. We need to know. Well, it means to mutter words of discontent, to mutter them. In a low tone, it can be translated to grumble. It is muffled undertones. It pictures a smoldering discontent of those who are impossible to please. Wow. Then he calls them complainers. The word complainers is a fault finder or one who complains about his lot in life, one who lays blame on others, or one who's complaining and discontented and refused to see his role in his problem. He's shifting blame all the time to somebody else. Well, I'm poor because they're rich. Well, I'm this way because they're that way. Of course, seeing that in society today. People trying to blame everybody for everything. Then he says, walking, walking after their own lust. The word walking, the Greek word poreomai, it's not just walking, poreomai, one that is traveling from one place to another. They're leaving where they've been and they're going somewhere new. They're changing their position. They're not who they used to be. They're in transition to become something really bad. And then he adds, great swelling words. Hmm. Well, let me just translate this for you so far. And then we're going to go on. The RIV of verse 16. These people go around murmuring and disrespectfully muttering words of discontent under their breath, 
constantly complaining, laying blame, and finding fault with others. They abandoned the path they once knew, there's the word pereomai, and are in hot pursuit after their own carnal cravings, desires, and hankerings. That really is a good translation so far of verse 16. Now, guys, I want to know, what do you think about those verses? Verse 16, mm -hmm. in all these verses? Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. I think that the fact that Jude quoted Enoch is amazing. And that we know the discussion that Michael had with Lucifer is also amazing. That's totally amazing. And I like what Michael said. He said, the Lord rebuke you. That's all he said. He didn't get into argument with, with Lucifer. I think the book of Jude is pretty remarkable. But you know, Jude's point was even, even angels are respectful with each other. But these people that are spiritually irreverent, they're, they're, they just say whatever they think about everybody. I mean, even angels don't behave like that. Maxine? Uh, when, when I'm reading about these people, when you're talking about these people, they're destroying churches. They are. These people are destroying churches. And uh, uh, I heard you saying this phrase, uh, that God is predictable. And uh, I, I say it myself quite often that God is predictable. But sometimes God is not predictable to me. Because I think that some of those people, they should be dead. Oh, we would be dead. If, if, but they're still alive and they're still, God is so merciful. He is, but he's also predictable that eventually he deals with things. Amen. That's important for you to know. Sometimes, you know, we grew up in churches where we said God works in strange and mysterious ways. Well, those who say that, they don't really know the Bible because God is very predictable. If you study the Bible, he's very predictable. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you sow this, you're going to reap this. Almost everything about God is predictable. Even here, he's predicting what's going to happen to these people. But these verses are pretty amazing. What do you guys think of the RIV? Oh, I think it's a very good, what do you call it, translation? Interpretation. Interpretation. But I want to go back to something else. You were talking about murmurs, people who complain. And I remember the people of Israel in, in, in Exodus, how they were complaining in their tents. They were. They didn't complain with, I don't know, it's not like the whole group of people got together and started complaining at once. God heard what happened in their tents. And they were overthrown. And I think it's very important what we say publicly, privately, and we need to be careful. Mm. We need to be careful and not be quick to judge. And I like what verse um, 22 says, Show mercy on those whose faith is wavering. And I think that's a very good verse. Well, let's look at one more thing in verse 16. It says, great swelling words. What in the world does that mean? I'm going to read you from my notes. Great swelling words is a compound of the word hooper, which always describes something excessive, and the word ogkas, which really describes something that is heavy. But when you put the words together, it means words that are pompous, words that are flaunting, wildly exaggerated, or excessively over the top. And now they're speaking these excessive words, having men's persons in admiration. Men's persons, the Greek word prosopon means they're looking at the face of men's. They're not speaking what is truth. They're after admiration. And the word admiration, the word thalmazo, which means to be at a loss of words. I'm getting a phone call right on home group. We're just going to turn that off. Thank you. Anyway. And I want to give you the RIV of Jude, verse 16. These people go about murmuring 
and disrespectfully muttering words of disconsent under their breath, constantly complaining, laying blame, and finding fault with others. They abandon the path they once knew are in hot pursuit after their own carnal cravings, desires, and hankerings, and to get what they want. Here it is, having men's persons an advantage. Their mouths are constantly speaking words that are artificial, disingenuous, wildly exaggerated, over-the-top words to give the impression that they are awestruck in front of people they are flattering in order to get some kind of personal advantage, benefit, or gain. Then we come to verse 17. And verse 17 is marvelous, but that's where we're going to begin tomorrow. This has been good. But please remember, we're offering you my book, which is called Last Days Survival Guide. And we're also offering you the series called Mockers in the Last Days with a Study Guide. And let us know how to pray for you. And if you want to help us deliver relief to people that have been displaced, please join us by going online or by giving us a call. And let us know how to pray for you. Father, we thank you that we've had this time in the Word of God. We thank you that we can come back tomorrow and continue. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.